Jeremiah 29 today. Uh, so if you can turn your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah 29 and uh, join me in a brief word of prayer, we'll get right into the word of God. Heavenly Father, I just can't thank you enough, Lord. Uh, so grateful and appreciative of how you've already moved in our hearts. Uh, I trust that our hearts are ready to receive your word uh, with the commitment to take action and apply that word in obedience to you uh, and for your glory. And so, so I just thank you for that, Lord, and, and uh, just yield to you and say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start with a verse that for those of us who've been saved for, for some time is probably very familiar to us. But I don't, I'm not sure if we've always used this verse in its right context. And I'm going to, I'm going to endeavor to give that context today. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, and this is God speaking to his people. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. How should we interpret this verse? I believe we need historical context in order to properly interpret the meaning of this verse and, and consequently to understand how it is applicable to our lives today. So I'm just going to go back a little bit and try to be as concise as I can so that I think once we get an understanding of the context in which this verse was shared, then it will help us get the proper and full uh, context of the verse itself and how it can apply and should apply in our lives. Uh, going as far back as chapter 23 and uh, actually going back to the time when Israel was first inherited the promised land. Remember, God gave them that land. They were supposed to drive out the people of that land, inhabit the land, and, and, th and that was their promise. And they were supposed to walk with God and glorify God and be an influence upon the surrounding kingdoms. But over time, the surrounding kingdoms influenced them. So instead of being the influence, they became influenced. And they were on this up and down rocky road of, of apathy towards God, leading to disobedience against God, leading to judgment, leading to God dealing with them, God's judgment, then their repentance and going back to God. And it was just this cycle continually, continually, continually. And we're on the downside of that cycle in today's passage. The leaders of Israel failed to lead the people in the, in the things of God. They did not walk uprightly with God. They broke God's commandment and walked in rebellion against him. And due to God's great mercy, he sent prophets many times to confront them about their sinful ways. And to convince them of their need to repent. 
If you think that grace and mercy only entered into the equation in the New Testament, then you haven't thoroughly read the Old Testament. We remember the consequences, but we don't often remember how long God was patient and suffered with them before he brought them. And many times he gave them over and over and over again chance. He made the appeal to try and convince them to change the error of their ways and get in line with God's will and God's word. He sent many prophets to confront them in their sinful ways and to convince them to repent. But time after time, God's warnings fell on deaf ears and the people of God continued their sinful ways. Their sinful ways <laughs> had them on a pathway to destruction. So God decided to do an intervention. See, a lot of times we think God brings consequences into our lives just for the love of punishing us. But a lot of times what, what he brings upon us or allows on us is an intervention designed to get our attention. It's designed to make us say, whoa, what's going on here? When words won't do it, consequences will. And God loves us too much to let us continue to walk in the error of our ways. He's long-suffering. He's patient. But he is not willing to allow sin to destroy our lives without doing everything to get our attention. So it's out of love that he will bring consequences in our lives. It may not feel like it, but he will. So their sinful ways have them on a path of destruction, so God decided to do an intervention. He elevated King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon to power, and God declared through Jeremiah that everyone in that area, including God's own people, must yield to Nebuchadnezzar's yoke of authority. Yield or be destroyed, God said. And God also declared through Jeremiah that Nebuchadnezzar's yoke of authority over them would last for 70 years. So as we get into today's uh, scripture, uh, we started with verse 11, but we're going to read the first 14 verses. God's people are exiled from their land at this point. They've been relocated to Babylon. And because he can no longer prophesy to them in person, Jeremiah does so by letter. This prophetic letter literally ends up in the hands of a captive audience. Let's start in verse 1. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of, El of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And here we get to the meat of it. Here is what the letter said. Now, keep in mind, they are in exile. They did not obey God. They rebelled against God in the land that he gave them. So now they're in the land of a pagan ruler. And God is sending word through Jeremiah to them saying, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to start doing something today uh, that my wife has uh, recommended and I'm finally acting on it but whenever I want to highlight something I'm going to consider that a point to ponder right and so the first point I want, the first point to ponder here is what I believe God is saying in these verses 5 through 7 basically what he's saying here you are you're exiled you're in a place you don't want to be you have the yoke of a pagan ruler around your neck. So you have to be subject to an authority that does not fear God. And the first point to ponder is, basically, if you read that, he's just saying, get comfortable where you are. I don't know about you, but if I feel like God is leading me and my family to move and relocate inside of a year, I'm not getting a new job. I'm not getting a lease on a new home. I'm not going to settle down. Because I know in the short term, God's going to move me out within the next year. And so I got to begin to prepare to move. So you got to imagine this is the last thing that the people of God wanted to hear. Because when stuff gets hard, we want a word that's going to, to comfort us. We want a word that's going to tell us, you know, don't worry about it. This thing's going to be over with before you know it. But God sent the man of God to tell them, build houses. Plant gardens. Get married. Give your children in marriage. Get comfortable and settle in. Because where I have you right now, you're going to be here a while. So first point to ponder, get comfortable where you are. And, and, and the reason he's saying that, remember, God, 
I'm getting myself, I'm getting my, getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I'll go ahead and say it. God pronounced and declared that they're going to be there for 70 years. 70 years is a long time. God told them, not only are you going to be under uh, the yoke of Babylon during King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, but you're going to be under the yoke of that authority under his son's reign and under his grandson's reign. So three generations. And imagine this. God tells them that they're going to be there 70 years. How discouraging that must have been to the older among them. Basically, you're saying, I'm going to die in this land to which I've been exiled. I will not return to the land God gave us. If Imagine, if you're 70, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to hit 140. You're going to have to live past 140 to be able to come back. Odds are you're not going to do it. As a matter of fact, if you're just 20, You'll be 90 by the time you get, to get, you get to go back to God's land. So suffice it to say, the vast majority of them are never going to see the land again. But God tells them, get comfortable where you are. The promise is still the promise. There will be a generation that inherits the land. You won't be with that generation. But do for me here what you did not do for me there. Don't waste time praying for the end of this. It's not going to end until the Lord specified time. You know, a lot of times we waste time where we're at. Praying for an end to it. Praying for it to be over. Praying to God to give us our will when when God just wants us get comfortable where I'm at and just seek me. Get comfortable where you're at. Be content where you're at. And be praying for the plan of God to be realized in your life. Second point to ponder. And this is going to be a hard one. Verse 7 says, to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Think about that. How many times do we want to pray for people that we feel like are partly responsible for our situation? How many times do we want to pray for the welfare of a situation that we don't want to be in? But that's what God said. Seek the welfare, point to ponder, seek the welfare of the city or the marriage or the family or the job that you feel exiled to. 
even if it includes people you don't like. Seek the welfare of that place and the people. Even if it includes people who are partly responsible for your situation. Verse 8 and 9 leads us to our next point to ponder. Verse 8, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Point to ponder. Reject teaching that speaks blessing and prosperity on you despite your disobedience. You know, be, be, be careful when you're hearing prosperity theology. Where despite what you've done, despite your conduct and behavior, they're always saying, God's going to do this. God's going to do that. It's not going to last. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be well for you. And you have not even repented in your heart. It's not going to be well for you. And once God's chastisement starts, someone declaring a premature end to it needs to be, whatever they're saying needs to be rejected because God is the one who knows the plan for you. And as much as your flesh might want an end to it, your flesh is going to have to yield to the spirit and be willing to allow God to do his full work that he wants to do in your life. Are you hearing me? So you got to reject that teaching. Let's go back to Jeremiah 28, verses 1 to 4, and we're going to see an example of what the people of God had to deal with. They, did, they had Jeremiah speaking God's will, but they also had a guy named Hananiah that said he was prophesying the word of the Lord, and he had a different message. It says in verse 1, In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. So God told them they're going to be under the yoke through Jeremiah for 70 years. Hananiah is telling them a different message. He's saying, God told me, says the Lord, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. That's the message everybody wanted to hear. Tickle my ears. Give me something that I want to hear, something that I can shout and be jubilant and excited about. But the problem is, it's not of God. Be careful of the message that appeals to your desires. Verse 
I mean, if you give me a choice, 70 years or two years, I'm going to take the two years every time. But it gave the people a false hope. Let's go back to Jeremiah 29. And I'm going to read 8 and 9 again. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. There's one more passage I want to have you go to before I do this next point to ponder, and that's Jeremiah chapter 23. Just three verses, 16, 17, and 18. And it says, Thus thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesied to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. In other words, when we hear from God what we don't want to hear, we despise that word. So we're looking for a better, more palatable word. So when those who come saying they're speaking those words on behalf of God, it's easy to receive because it's what we wanted to hear all along. But he's saying, be careful, reject that. Reject those that tell you what you want to hear. You ought to have develop an appetite to hear what you need to hear. What is God saying to you? They say, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? And who has paid attention to his word And listen, so that's what they're telling them. It shall be well with you. And hey, no matter how hard your heart is, no disaster will fall you, befall you. Point to ponder. You cannot wish or believe your way out of what you behaved your way into. You can't believe your way out of what you behaved your way into. God, I know I messed up, but I'm believing for a pass. No. 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 We need to yield ourselves to God's correction. Let God deal with us. The heart issue that led us to walk in rebellion against God. We need to be willing to yield it to God and repent. We need to yield to God's process. Now, we've talked about all this and we haven't even got to our star verse, back to our star verse yet. All this is happening before our favorite verse, 11, right? I know the plans I have for you. But we need all this context because that verse comes in the midst of correction. It comes in the midst of them being exiled. It, it, it comes in the midst of them 
encountering consequences for the error of their ways before God. And it's meant to, it's meant to be a hope to them, but there is no short-circuiting God's process of what he's doing and developing in our lives. There's no short-circuiting that. Uh, when, when, we, when we enter into God's chastisement, we have to embrace it and allow him to have his perfect work. Amen? Let's go back to Jeremiah 29 as, uh, as we begin the, uh, the gradual process of winding this down. So those middle verses around four to eight, he's saying, get settled. Many of you aren't going to ever see your homeland again. You're going to die here. But while you're here, Live a full life. Honor God where you're at. Live for him where you're at. Pass on the truth of God's word to your children and teach them to pass it on to theirs. You're going to have to be forward thinking in your vision. You're going to have to rest in the hope that God's going to get his people back into the promised land even if you don't see it yourself. There are things that God has put on our hearts, those of us who have kids. We may not know it yet, but some of those things aren't meant for us to see. There are things that God has put on our hearts that will be fulfilled in our children's lifetime, and we may not be around to see it. It may not be fulfilled until our grandchildren's time and we not be around to see it. But you know what? We can go to our grave believing. I don't have to see it in my lifetime to know that it's going to come to pass. I'm going to pass this vision on to my children and encourage them to do the same. It's not about whether we're going to see it we just we got to rest in assurance that God's promise will come to pass. It'll come to pass in his timing, not in mine. God didn't say, I know a plan or I have a plan for you that I want to run by you. And get your thoughts on it. No, God said, I know the plan that I have for you. I'll let you in on the parts you need to know, but what's important is that I know the plan for you. And do you trust me with it? Is it enough that I know a plan, that I have a plan and for you, and I know the plan, and I'm going to lead you according to that plan? Do you have to know the plan in order to trust God? We act like we won't, we, we, act, we act like God ought to run his plans by us when we ought to just be satisfied that he has a plan for us and he knows it. Verse 10, for thus says the word, says the Lord, 
Here it goes. When 70 years are completed, not here, not 69, not 68, certainly not two. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Restoration is coming. Redemption is coming. The fulfillment of God's plan is coming, but it will come when he decides it will come. It'll come according to his divine will, not ours. Amen? So God decided in his divine wisdom 70 years. After 70 years, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. It's interesting when you consider their situation. The situation that we're in when those words were uttered. And think about it. I know the plans I have for you. This is going to hit different depending on where your age is. Hey, you're 10 year olds, you're 5 year olds. The plan of God likely includes you seeing the promised land that you may not even remember. All of you who are older, you're less likely. Uh, Those of you who are elderly, you're not seeing it. You know his plans included that? His plans for them included them getting comfortable, settling down, staying in there, just coming to grips with where God had put them in life. Build houses, live in them. Plant gardens, eat from them. Do the things you would do if you were still in the promised land. Look for spouses, get married. Look for spouses for your children. Have grandbabies. Pray for the place that you're in. Pray for the welfare of the place that you're in because its welfare affects your welfare. Pray for the people there. Their welfare affects your welfare. That's going to be the extent of my plans for some of you. And for others of you, there's a plan beyond 70 years for you that you will see and experience the fulfillment of the promise of God. I don't know where you're at in your own situation. And what this may mean to you, I hope you're asking the question 
even as you're hearing this message, you're asking the question, Lord, how does this apply to me? You know, in what way in my life might I be in Babylon? What area of my life do I feel I'm in exile in? I'm not satisfied, uh, 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 especially those areas where I feel like my own actions contributed to my consequence. And I've been kicking and screaming, asking for you to remove the consequence. I don't know if that's by accident, but it's a little premature, guys. I get the hint, though. But Lord, and maybe you're thinking, Lord, you know, I hope you're asking the question. I hope this is speaking to you where you're at. And maybe you need to get comfortable where God has you because God is doing a work and, 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 and instead, of, instead of lamenting the fact that, my goodness, this may be a while. I've got financial issues, and I don't see, uh, I don't see a quick end to the financial struggle. I've got problems in my home, and I don't see a quick end to it. Maybe God wants you to stop looking to find satisfaction in a solution and instead look to find satisfaction in him. He says in the next verse, you will, then you will uh, call on me. So I want to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Notice he didn't say you will, you will find the solution when you seek for the solution with all your heart. No, he said, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So the solution in your circumstance is not to find or look for the solution. It's to seek him with all your heart. Because he is the solution, right? He knows the plans he has for you, right? So we need to plug into the one that has the plan. And if we seek him with all our hearts, we will be found by him. He will be found by us. Are you hearing me? Romans 15, verse 4 and verse 13. I just highlighted those two verses. Verse 4 says this, For whatever was written in former days, was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
And verse 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Our God is a God of hope. Amen? The word of God is living, it's active, it's powerful. It is relevant to us today. And we ought to be able to endure and we ought to be able to find encouragement through the scriptures. And if we will commit to doing that, in them we'll find hope. He came to give us a future and a hope. And sadly today, there's a lot of people that don't see a future for themselves. And don't see much reason for hope. And it's led to more and more drastic actions and shootings and all kinds of, of um, conflicts and tragedies and whatnot. And it's time that we make known the hope that we have in the Lord. Amen? It's time to let people who have no hope know that there is hope in Christ. There is hope in the word of God. My final point to, point to ponder is this. Instead of desiring a premature end to your hardship, you should desire to know God's plan for you during the hardship. Don't assume that his plan starts after. What is God's plan for you right now? What is God's plan for you in what you're in? What does he want you to do? He told them, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat from them. Live life, get married, do all those things. Pray for the city that you're in. What is God telling you to do in your situation? Ask yourself, in what way does Jeremiah 29, those last verses, 29, 11 through 14, ask yourself, in what way does this passage apply to me? If I must wear the yoke of hardship for a lengthy time, what is God's plan for me while I'm wearing it? I'm going to ask you to stand. For I know the plans that I have you says the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope I hope that when you hear 
or read this verse or when you get the thought to proclaim this verse that you remember the context in which it was shared. If God is dealing with you You've behaved yourself in, into getting God's chastisement. Don't use this verse as a way to get out of it. That's not what this verse is for. Use this verse as, a, uh, as an encouragement, as an inspiration for you to lean full-heartedly into God while you're in that situation. And say, God... I know that I've contributed to to getting myself here. I know there are some less than ideal circumstances here. I got some people, I got some real hard feelings toward. But Lord, what matters to me most right now is what your will is for me in this situation. What would you have me do? I know this will end someday. And rather than me praying for a speedy end, I want, I, I'm going to choose to ask you what you require of me in this place. Father, your word says that I will seek you and find you when I seek you with all my heart. Lord, that's my priority here, is you. I'm not seeking a solution. I'm not seeking an end. I'm seeking the God of my salvation. And the same God that can bless me in Jerusalem can bless me in Babylon. The same God that can provide for me in Jerusalem can provide for me in Babylon. The same God that can set me free indeed in Jerusalem can set me free indeed in Babylon. So, 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 Father God, I don't seek my desire. I seek you. I pray that that is the heart of all of us, Lord. Uh, whether we are currently encountering a difficult circumstance or whether we'll encounter one in the future, Lord, I pray that you will put us in remembrance as to what our priorities ought to be, that the points that we've been asked to ponder today, they become points that we meditate on, and by your grace and by your spirit, we learn to implement those in our lives and develop disciplines that will help us in those difficult times. seek you with all our heart and allow you to have the full expression of your will in our hearts and in our lives fully expecting and knowing that your promise will be fulfilled according to your designated time Father I just pray that you continue to minister to your people and Thank you that you've met us where we needed you to today, Lord.
I pray your continue, I pray your continued blessing on us all.